I'm a sucker for books and movies about time travel. The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, The DeLorean and Back to the Future, and any Star Trek episode in which the crew of the Starship Enterprise travels back to the 20th century. I love them all. But over the years, I've learned a few important things about time travel. For example, as far as I can tell from these books and movies, backward is better than forward. When you travel back in time, you know what you're getting. The future, on the other hand, is unknown. It always seems to get worse. But that doesn't mean that the past is safe. When you travel back in time, you'd better not touch anything. Apparently, the smallest change can have devastating effects on the space-time continuum. You may come back to the present and find that you don't exist. In real life, of course, time travel is impossible. But that doesn't mean that I have no interest in the past or the future. The truth is, I'm often preoccupied with both. Sometimes it's because I'm thinking about the past, trying to understand what I've experienced and how it affects my life. Just as often, I'm concerned about the future. Maybe it's because I'm looking forward to what comes next. More often, it's because I'm worried about it. What gets lost in all of this is the present. Like the quiet child in a loud family, it's often overlooked. Either way, I tend to brush by the present as if it were some stranger that I pass on the street. Or if I do give it attention, it's usually only a kind of grudging consideration, the sort you might give to someone who whines until your attention is wheedled away from the thing that really interests you. I have been scattered in times I do not understand, St. Augustine complained. He saw his life as one that stretched in many directions at once. Like Augustine, our minds too are scattered in time, so that our interests range far beyond the present. At one moment we peer intently into the past, hoping for the mists to clear and longing to catch a glimpse of a present that has disappeared from view. In the next, we skip far ahead, hoping to scout out the future and stake a certain claim. Unfortunately, the beauty and the value of the present is often lost. We're here in body, but not in mind. We're only half-hearted in our attention, and sometimes in our service. To someone whose interest is chiefly on the future, the present is only a way station. Its primary function is to serve as a staging ground for what comes next. For the person whose focus is mostly on the past, the present is a cemetery filled with monuments to the glory days that will never come again, or with a painful record of injuries and slights that we've suffered. I want to propose an alternative. I call it practicing the present. Practicing the present is more than the habit of slowing down and making ourselves aware of what's going on in the moment. It's a way of locating ourselves in the world. It's a way of seeing. Practicing the present is the habit of reining in our wandering mind and concentrating our attention on the here and now. This means, first of all, taking stock of things as they really are. What is the real landscape of my life? What do things really look like? We're doing more than assessing. We're trying to orient ourselves to reality. Those who dwell on the past and future are often living in a fantasy world. But God is at work in the real world. As we take stock of things as they really are, we do so with an awareness that God is truly present no matter how mundane or how bleak the circumstances appear. Those who practice the present believe that God dwells in the midst of the muck and the mire of daily life. Practicing the present doesn't ignore the future or the past, 
but it does view both with a measure of sanctified skepticism. The future and the past can both be an unhealthy refuge for those who are disappointed with the present. Practicing the present also demands that we rein in, as much as we're able, our ambition and our anxiety. Both are common to human experience, and each, in their own way, can blind us to the reality of God's presence. Ambition and anxiety can both cause us to forget the one who has numbered the hairs of our head and who is really responsible for the effectiveness of what we do for Jesus. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. I was shattered by the news. I felt betrayed, not so much by God, but by my own body. I lay awake nights thinking about the thing that I had inside me and wishing that I could go back to the day before I knew of the diagnosis. When the doctor told me that my surgery appeared to be successful, I felt like a condemned prisoner who had just been given a pardon. This is what forgiveness feels like, I told my wife. Five years after the surgery, my blood work showed a slight change, and I panicked. The doctor assured me that the difference was insignificant. As far as he was concerned, I was still cancer-free. Yet the old fear had returned, and I found it difficult to break free from it. What if the doctor was wrong? How did I know that the next test results wouldn't show that my cancer had come back? I still think about it. Fear often casts a shadow over the future as we worry about things that might happen. Just as often, we fret about the past. Sometimes we worry that we've taken a wrong turn along the way, or we regret some choice that we've made. We wonder how the past has shaped our present or how it will affect our future. We speculate about how things might be different if we had acted otherwise. The trouble with all such fears is that we can do nothing about them. Once our choices have been made and the action is taken, we can't go back and undo them. No matter how much we may regret the past, we don't have the power to change it. The future is similarly out of reach. We can speculate, but we can't know for certain what the future will be like. The past is a shadow, and the future is a mirage. In one sense, we can't help practicing the present. We have no other temporal framework in which to live. Time travel really is only the stuff of science fiction. We may remember the past, but we cannot return to it. We may place our hope in the future or dread its approach, but we can't suddenly transport ourselves there. The truth is, the present is the only context available to us for living our lives. So we may as well learn how to practice the present.